0: Section two of Revelations of a Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Rohde. Revelations of a Wife by Adele Garrison. Chapter two The First Quarrel. I'll give you three guesses, Madge. Dickie stood just inside the door of the living room, holding an immense parcel carefully wrapped. His hat was on the back of his head, his eyes shining, his whole face aglow with boyish mischief. "'It's for you, my first housekeeping present, that is needed in every well-regulated family,' he burlesqued boastfully. "'But you are not to see it until we have something to eat and you have guessed what it is.' "'I know it is something lovely, dear,' I replied sedately. "'But come to your dinner. It is getting cold.' Dicky looked a trifle hurt as he followed me to the dining-room. I knew what he expected. Enthusiastic curiosity and a demand for the immediate opening of the parcel. I can imagine the pretty enthusiasm the caresses with which almost any other woman would have greeted a bridegroom of two weeks with his first present but it's simply impossible for me to gush i cannot express emotion of any kind with the facility of most women i worshipped my mother but i rarely kissed her or expressed my love for her in words my love for dicky terrifies me sometimes it is so strong but I cannot go up to him and offer him an unsolicited kiss or caress. Respond to his caresses, yes, but offer them of my own volition, never. There is something inside me that makes it an absolute impossibility. What's the menu, Madge? The beef again? Dickie's tone was mildly quizzical, his smile mischievous, but I flushed hotly, He had touched a sore spot. The butcher had brought me a huge slab of meat for my first dinner when I had timidly ordered rib roast, and with the aid of my mother's cookbook and my own smattering of cooking, my sole housewifely accomplishment, I had been trying to disguise it for subsequent meals. This is positively its last appearance on any stage, I assured him, trying to be gay. Besides, it's a casserole with rice, and I defy you to detect whether the chief ingredient be fish, flesh, or fowl. "'Casserole is usually my pet aversion,' Dicky said solemnly. "'Look not on the casserole when it is table d'ot,' is one of the pet little proverbs in my immediate set. Too much like Spanish steak and the other good chances for tomanes, but if you made it, I'll tackle it-if you have to call the ambulance in the next half hour. Dicky, you surely do not think I would use meat that was doubtful, do you? I asked horror-stricken. Don't eat it. Wait and I'll fix up some eggs for you. Dicky rose stiffly, walked slowly around to my side of the table, and gravely tapped my head in imitation of a phrenologist. "'Absolute depression where the bump-called sense of humour ought to be. "'Too bad. Pretty creature, too. "'Cause her lots of trouble in the days to come,' he chanted solemnly. "'Then he bent and kissed me. "'Don't be a goose, Madge,' he admonished. "'And never, never take me seriously. "'I don't know the meaning of the word. "'Come on, let's eat the thingam-bob. "'I'll bet it's delicious.' He uncovered the casserole and regarded the steaming contents critically. "'Smell scrumptious,' he announced. "'What's in the other? Potatoes or gratin?' as he took off the cover of the other serving dish. "'Good! One of my favorites!' He piled a liberal portion on a plate and helped himself as generously. He ate heartily of both dishes, ignoring or not noticing that i scarcely touched either dish for i was fast lapsing into one of the moods which my little mother used to call my morbid streaks and which she had vainly tried to cure ever since i was a tiny girl dicky didn't like my cooking he was only pretending dicky was disappointed in the way i received the announcement of his present "'probably he soon would find me wanting in other things. "'As I took our plates to the kitchen "'and brought on a lettuce and tomato salad "'with a mayonnaise dressing over which I had toiled for an hour, "'I was trying hard to choke back the tears. "'When I brought on the baked apples, "'which I had prepared with especial care for dessert, "'Dick gave them one glance which to my oversensitive mind "'looked disparaging.' then he pushed back his chair. "'Don't believe I want any dessert today. The rest of the dinner was so good I ate too much of it. Eat yours, and I'll undo your surprise.' "'Whatever in the world?' I began as Dicky lifted the lid and revealed a big angora cat. Then my voice changed. "'Why, Dickie, you don't mean—' But Dickie was absorbed in lifting the cat out.' Isn't she a beauty he said admiringly but i was almost into the dining room i suppose she is i replied faintly but surely you do not intend her from me why not dicky's tone was sharper than i had ever heard it he set the cat down on the floor and she walked over to me i pushed her away gently with my foot as i replied "'Because I dislike cats. Intensely. Besides, you know, cats are so unsanitary, always carrying disease.' "'Oh, get out of it, Madge!' Dicky interrupted. "'Forget that scientific foolishness you absorbed when you were school-mamming. "'Besides, this cat is a thoroughbred. Never been outside the home where she was born till now.' Do you happen to know what this gift you have tossed aside so nonchalantly would have cost if it hadn't been given to me by a dear friend? A cool two-hundred, that's all. It seems to me you might try to get over your prejudices, especially when I tell you that I am very fond of cats and like to see them around. Dickie's voice held a note of appeal, but I chose to ignore it. "'My particular little devil must have sat at my elbow.' "'I am sorry,' I said coldly, "'but really I do not see why it is any more incumbent on me "'to try to overcome my very real aversion to cats "'than it is for you to try to do without their society.' "'Very well,' Dicky exclaimed angrily, turning toward the door. "'If you feel that way about it, there is nothing more to be said.' Then Dicky slammed the living-room door behind him, to emphasize his words, went down the hall, slammed the apartment door, and ran down the steps. Back in the living-room, huddled up in the big chair which is the chief pride of the woman who rents us the furnished apartment, I sat as angry as Dicky and heartsick besides. Our first quarrel had come. But the cat remained— what was I to do with her? There is no cure for a quarrel like loneliness and reflection. Dicky had not been gone a half hour after our disagreement over the cat before I was wondering how we both could have been so silly. I thought it out carefully. I could see that Dicky was accustomed to having his own way unquestioned. He had told me once that his mother and sister had spoiled him and i had reflected that he evidently expected me to go on in the same way on the other hand i had been absolutely my own mistress for years the little mother in a way being more my child than i hers accustomed to decide for myself every question of my life i had no desire "'Neither had I intention of doing any clinging vine act "'with Dicky posing as the strong oak. "'But I also had the common sense to see "'that there would be real issues in our lives "'without wasting our ammunition over a cat. "'Then, too, the remembrance of Dickie's happy face "'when he thought he was surprising me tugged at my heart. "'If he wants a cat, a cat he shall have.' I said to myself, and calling my unwelcome guest to me with a resolute determination to do my duty by the beast, no matter how distasteful the task, I was just putting a saucer of milk in front of her when the door opened and Dicky came in like a whirlwind. How do you wear sackcloth and ashes? he cried, catching me in his arms as he made the query. "'If you've got any in the house, bring them along, and I'll put them on. "'Seriously, girl, I'm awfully sorry I let my temper out of its little cage. "'No nice thing getting angry at your bride, because she doesn't like cats. "'I'll take the beast back tomorrow. "'Indeed, you'll do no such thing,' I protested. "'You're not the only one who is sorry. "'I made up my mind before you came back, not only to keep this cat—' "'but to learn to like her. Dicky kissed me. "'You're a brick, sweetheart,' he said heartily. "'And I've got a reward for you, a peace offering. "'Get on your frills, for we're going to a first night. "'Sanders was called out of town, "'had the tickets on his hands, and turned them over to me. "'Hurry up while I get into my moonlights.' "'You're what?' I was mystified. "'Evening clothes, Goose.' Dicky threw the words over his shoulder as he took down the telephone receiver. "'Can you dress in half an hour? We have only that.' "'I'll be ready.' As I closed the door of my room I heard Dicky ask for the number of the taxicab company where he kept an account. Impulsively I started toward him to remonstrate against the extravagance, but stopped as I heard the patter of rain against the windows." I'll leave this evening entirely in Dickie's hands, I resolved as I began to dress. End of chapter 2